It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. AJC Access Atlanta is sponsored by Northside Hospital Cancer Institute, built to beat cancer. This is Shane Harrison, and I'm here this week uh, with our senior editor, Nicole Smith, who, uh, who has brought us a story. Yeah, a pretty good one, I say. I'm excited awesome. about this one. Awesome. So tell us what it's all about. Let me tell you what I brought you. I brought you literally Olympic gold. That's what I brought you. <laughs> <laughs> Lori Hernandez, uh, you may remember her from the 2016 Olympics in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro, who helped her team take home the gold on a, on a team level. Uh, they won the all-around. This is the same team that had Gabby Douglas, right. uh, who's known as the Flying Squirrel. Right. And then, of course, uh, Simone Biles also was on that team, just a yep. formidable um, opponent uh, for, for the people who were competing against her across the world, and even when, when the team themselves had to compete against her. But Lori Hernandez just prevailed uh, on that team back in, in 2016. And she came to Atlanta um, maybe about a couple of months ago, and I got a chance to just really sit down and talk to her. And she was just so warm, so inviting. And it was interesting because the, the reason she came to Atlanta was some optometrist, uh, like an optometrist uh, conference. And I was like, hmm. okay, this seems kind of random. <laughs> <laughs> but not really, because when she got, she got to explaining why she was there. So she wears contacts and Obviously, um, someone sponsors her to wear her, their contacts. Right. Um, and right. then it, she even explained just how I never thought about it. This, the dust flies in the air, and all of a sudden it's in their eyes. And right. uh, she was she was struggling to see uh, huh. even. And think about it if you're if you're an Olympic gymnast and you're trying to stay in lines and stay on a balance beam, you, you kind of need to see. Right. <laughs> you can't yeah. wear glasses. Yeah, and they have that that chalk stuff, right? That's they, that's the chalk stuff that she said was getting in her eyes right. and she couldn't see. So uh, it it really just started to tell her story of. Uh, her problems regarding optometry. Um, so, yeah, so that was the reason she came to the Georgia World Congress Center right. um, earlier this year. And really, we just got a chance to talk like girls do. You know, yeah. we, we, we chatted about everything. And so this is a person who, since 2016, I think, has been known on the world stage. But before then, obviously, she was an incredible athlete. She 
um, she performed very, very well in the national championships in 2016, mm-hmm. um, right before the Olympics that helped qualify her. And she won uh, several bronze medals. Right. Obviously, she performed even better at the Olympics, helping right. her team bring a gold. And she won her own silver medal uh, on the balance beam mm-hmm. and, and did very well uh, there. And, and I even asked her, is she, is she thinking about 2020 already? Right. You know, you can't help but think what what does she, what else does she have to accomplish right. right and this and she also is a great dancer you might remember her on dancing right. with the stars and yes. and she won yeah. dancing with the stars so she seems to have a record of winning competitions right. Right? right um and she's just an incredible dancer and i even just sat down and watched her back then rewatched her on youtube just the way she moves and the way she performs the, the artistry the artistry she even brings on the floor when she's competing as a as a, a gymnast so i'm just impressed with her all around yeah yeah well the it's like she was on dancing with stars which it's like a, it seems that that athletes do win that a lot <laughs> yeah. i guess you have to have coordination right right you have, to, you have to be quick on your feet you have to learn all those moves everything that i can't do right. <laughs> physically i can't do that um so i, I you have a good point you be you have more of a comp- competitive advantage I would think but I mean I, I genuinely think that she just has a talent in dancing I don't necessarily think they didn't have to go hand in hand and you'll hear when I talk to her in this interview when I compliment her, her on her dancing she gets a little bit shy yeah you know, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> it's a person who's in front of literally millions of people watching her on tv um her her perform as an athlete and gets shy about yeah. when somebody compliments just her dancing. So it just reminded me that she's she's just an, a regular teenager in some ways, right. um, even though we watch her do extraordinary things. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, because I guess, I mean, gymnastics, she's been in for so long. She has. Dancing is probably a, a newer thing, at least on the world stage. Well, for her, yes. But it's, it's interesting that you say that Lori Hernandez is, has done it for so long because when we talk, she talks about how she got into it late. You know really? what I mean? Yeah. And she talks about how um, she was only... She was already nine years old, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I think I was probably like 25 when I started even really consider right. what I wanted to do. And this person has mapped out their yeah. their life and their career by nine. So, um, yeah. And and a lot of the young gymnasts, you know, they start at five, and she, so she, you know, relatively, she's right, nine years old, but. Obviously, that didn't stop her because she's she's on a level that most gymnasts could only dream of. Right, yeah. and she's I mean she's still competing regularly, right? She does she does compete regularly, and uh, obviously she has to continue to compete in in certain um, in certain things to even qualify for twenty twenty. Sure, that's, if that's what she wants to do. But I think that at this point she just feels like her body needs to rest. Right, um, and she and she so much has said so, um, and the and the. Twitter stream that I watch. I look at her her Twitter feed. It right. looks like she's just having a lot of fun at this point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she she's traveling all over the world. Uh, she has her own clothing line at JC Um She's already written a book that was a best, New York Times bestseller. And I even inquire, you know, do you want to continue to write? Um, and so we get to find out if if she's interested in 2020. Uh, if she's interested to continue to write and what else she wants to do and and does she feel like she's even a regular teenager anymore yeah yeah yeah, well it's nice to be able to to step back for a little bit if you've been doing it i mean even even if you were just nine when you started yes she's always she's only 17 now you know she just by 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 a couple of months qualified to even be in the 2016 summer olympics in, in 2016 because she turned in june she turned 16 
the Olympics were in August. Right. So, um, yeah, just it, it's incredible just to watch her grow up in front of the world. She came to Atlanta. She's originally from New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, but she came to Atlanta, and she says she's visit, visited Atlanta a couple of times, a few times, but I think usually by work, you know? Right. And so right. I encouraged her to come back and listen to this podcast and yes. listen to us. <laughs> we can tell her some things to do in Atlanta that, yeah. that would truly uh, help her enjoy the city. So I... I I, you know, hope everybody enjoys this. I personally really like, uh, I'm like a lot of people who's a fan every four years, you know, and just become so engrossed and so inspired by the stories of these, of these incredible athletes wishing that I, you know, (laughs) that I could be a gymnast. And I don't think, but I don't, I think Lori Hernandez for me was somebody who caught my attention, her and, and the rest on the final five, they call themselves the final five. Uh, because they're the last team to actually have five members on the field for for the gym uh, to to be a gymnast um, in the Olympics next year uh, next in 2020 it'll be only four allowed. Huh. Uh, but the last time that a team really caught my imagination and my heart was uh, back in 1996, yeah. uh, the Olympics, where you know you had Dominique Dawes and Dominique Mochianu, um, and you had um, Shannon Miller. These people, they, they, their names still resonate today. Right, and um, that was here. And that was here in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, it was right here in Atlanta. And um, But I think that these girls who often visit Atlanta will perform in Atlanta um, they they really shine like they like the gymnasts did in in 1996, which were seven gymnasts. There yeah. were five. Now right. there will be four. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So Lori Hernandez. All right. Great. Well, let's uh, let's see what Lori Hernandez is up to and uh, what's ahead for her. There she goes. <laughs> I'm with Lori Hernandez. I I can't tell you how excited I am to be here with you just oh, because. Thank you. And so. For those of you who uh, don't know, which I think is very few people, she's an Olympic gymnast, and she brought home the gold for the Americans, which always makes me proud. So we're still Aww. proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so you much. In the next Olympics. So, you're, so how'd you like Brazil? I, I thought it was great. I mean, uh, staying at the Olympic Village at the Olympics, it was just athletes, coaches, and trainers. And so it was, it was crazy that no um, civilians or no no natives could actually come into there. But it was cool that we had our own little area to hang out in. It's just I would think that the environment, I, I know that you all talked about the team, but doesn't it also feel competitive at the same time? I mean, it does feel competitive, but it's competitive because that's just the nature of the sport, not because you genuinely just want to beat out everybody. You just want to be the best athlete you can be. And, um, I think at the Olympics, you also recognize the fat, fact that you're representing your country. And so you just want to do that to the best of your abilities. And at that point, it doesn't leave much room to just be like, I'm going to beat you out. Yeah. Do you still talk to your, your former teammates? I try to. Yeah. I mean, we're all pretty scattered along because the U.S. Because you know we think of you guys as all wa- working together and walking. You still yeah. walk around together to us mentally, you know? Like- <laughs> I, I mean, I walk around mentally. I would hope that they do too. But um, I mean, I we try to keep in touch with them. Again, it's a little crazy because we're all scattered. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've been a busy been a busy woman since you left the Olympics. And, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I don't see you obviously wearing your medal. Where are those medals? Um, they're in a safe somewhere. <laughs> you don't know where your medals are? Oh, I know exactly where my medals are. <laughs> oh, you're not disclosing it, right? Yeah. Um, So my question, I guess my next question would definitely be, how do you prepare for something that big? Because you have, when I watch you, I just see everybody pointing a camera in your face, Mm -hmm. right? And then, of course, everybody has a comment and Mm -hmm. you hear the cheers. Yeah. Does any of that make you nervous? Um, It does. I I always, uh, I would joke that there are different stages of preparing for me. And like the first one is always freaking out (laughs) just because like, um, 
you just realize exactly what's going on. You realize that you're going to the Olympics and that you're about to compete in front of all these people. But then the second one would be like, okay, how can I make it better for myself? And then you start going through a different mindset even when you're training. And, and once you're out there, it's just all muscle memory. And it's just making sure that you can give yourself little pep talks and, and be confident when you're out there. Even at the Olympics? Yes, even <laughs> at the Olympics. That's definitely the one time you should go out there and just – sometimes you just have to be your own hype man and even when you don't feel that way if you are just faking it and saying you know what i'm calm i'm cool i'm strong i'll be fine i've been working for this if you can just say those things over and over at some point your brain starts to believe it and yeah. it makes you feel a lot better i always wonder with you all is there something we're not seeing off camera that you know <laughs> obviously the cameras follow you around but they can't find every single moment i mean are you sneaking in a text in? are you allowed to even have your cell phones when you're out i I, well, at, at Rio, definitely not. Um, I, I've never been one to grab my phone in between a meet. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever done that before. I don't think I ever have. At that point, um, everything kind of fades. And you realize that what's most important is right in front of you. And so thinking about anything else is really hard to do. <laughs> so do you do you still feel like this is a... Pa I mean, you've... you've gotten the gold right so do you what's next i mean do you still feel like this is a, a something to achieve or is a continued passion how do you feel about basically gymnastics and what you do as an athlete yeah it definitely still feels like a continued passion i think um i've been able to take about a year and a half off of the sport and it's i think it was definitely something that was well needed mentally physically and just um taking a break and being able to branch out and see other things and and being able to also let my body rest and now i'm excited and i miss it and also with the winter olympics that are you know are going on and, and some sports that have finished already um it's definitely like a little fire to look at it and Get be like oh man and I like closing ceremonies and whatnot. So. so when I watch you perform, right, I, I'm watching two parts. And I, I, I'm not a, an athlete, so I don't know all the technicality, but it looks athletic. And then it also looks entertaining, right? I see, <laughs> I see you prance around. That's what really caught my eye about you. It's, oh, it's thank the, you. It's the way you dance around and then you do the athletics. And so, so would you say it's a fair thing to say it's part entertainment and dancing and part athletics? Or? I think so. I think the entertainment comes more from um, <laughs> we have like a code of points that you have to follow, um, especially I think the entertainment is definitely uh, most recognized on the floor exercise just because we have music, we're dancing, we're doing all these crazy tumbling passes. But a lot of that is part of the code of points. You have to there's like they call it a floor part you have to like have your whole body on the ground for about three seconds and then three out of four of your tumbling passes have to start off of one leg and all these different rules that they have how do you remember that um <laughs> I, well i mean at some point you know you have you have coaches and you have people who are guiding you and, and showing you your routine so at some point you just do your routine you don't think about that stuff at all it's just muscle memory and, and you're remembering what you're doing but um i think also the entertainment comes from uh, gymnastics progressing with within every year and every quad I mean if you go back to when the Olympics had first started you see cartwheels and forward rolls and and you know front walkovers and all these different things and now girls are doing double twisting double backflips and that's not enough so it's it's really really cool and scary and exciting and all these different emotions to see the sport progress mm -hmm. so you're a good dancer <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I was watching your YouTube with your uh, older clip of Dancing with the Stars. I mean, do you consider yourself a good dancer? Um, I mean, I, I like to dance. I say own it. <laughs> Obviously, you're a good dancer. I mean, when I, when I was little, my, my dad would 
pull me to the side and he would count rhythm and songs and so I think I grew up listening to music that he liked we listened to Casey and the Sunshine Band and Earth Wind and Fire and all the original like very just you can hear every instrument and all of it is kind of live and and very just emotional and raw and it was cool to be able to grow up to that and I think that that carried on with me as I did gymnastics I was able to hear certain instruments that uh, I guess you know maybe, maybe some people might not catch on at first yeah so. yeah you, you are so mature for your age and I know you probably oh, get that you. a lot <laughs> <laughs> only sometimes yeah. I, it's just it's, it's interesting to see because you have a lot of pressure and you have a lot of spotlight um, and then at the same time, I feel like I see the, the beautiful, youthful part of you. you oh, know, thank the, the, you. So do you feel like you're a regular teenager? Um, not quite. <laughs> I, I, I mean, only just because uh, my childhood and, and the things and the decisions that I picked at a very young age were different than, I guess, the average child. I mean, um, in third grade, we took our yearbook photos, and I went in a leotard for my for my for Interesting my choice for my yearbook <laughs> photo. So um, I, I went in a pink leotard, and they asked me what I wanted to be when I was older, and I was I didn't want to drink it and say the Olympics, so I said astronaut, I think. Um, but it was just crazy to see that at such a young age, my mindset was already onto that. But it really wasn't until nine that I realized that that was something that I wanted to do. So it was it's just really cool to see everything fall in place. It's interesting how you put that it wasn't until you were nine you know like I think I was 24 when I figured out what I wanted to do so um yeah I think uh I don't think you're the average teenager in, oh, in, in a good way um, so they call you the human emoji do you think it's, it's a well-deserved title oh I think it suits me I think um for gymnastics we're known to just be very stoic and, and focused and not show anything or any emotion on our face. And, and, and it's not because we're being snobby and, you know, you see a lot of movies where they sh they picture gymnasts as just being snobby and angry and there's rarely any of that. It's more just because we're so focused on what we're doing that we have a natural resting face. But um, I couldn't help but be so excited when I was competing and I would definitely feed off the crowd's energy. So the louder they cheered, the more excited I got and the better I would do. And um, someone said, oh, she makes all these faces in her floor routine. She's like the human emoji and it's stuck. So I, I agree with it. I think it suits me. I think it suits you. And also your eyes, they're just, they're, oh, they're piercing. And I, <laughs> thank I, you. <laughs> I, you can kind of share why you're here um, with everybody, but, and it's a, it's a, a conference that's actually focused on eye health and but I think you're like the perfect spokesperson to oh, talk about you. eyes because your eyes are so big thank and, and piercing so and, yeah so how do you uh keep your eyes healthy um I think the biggest thing to keep my eyes healthy is to make sure that um my mom had told me, especially at a very young age, that she loves to follow everything I love to do. She loves to follow, you know, the things that I, I feel I'm creative at, but my health always comes first to her. And so she would take me to the optometrist every year and take me to all other appointments annually just to make sure that me and my siblings were okay. And in 2012, we had gone to the optometrist and, and you know, we did our typical checkup and he had noticed that my vision had changed a little bit. But we figured that glasses wouldn't be a good fit for gymnastics just because it would be too much of a distraction so he recommended Daly's contact lenses and we I just went with those right away and it was the perfect fit it didn't feel like anything was in my eye but I, I still noticed that everything was a lot cooler being able to see it better not realizing that my vision had changed I mean so. you'd have to be able to see it like when I watch some of the videos and they're like oh her that she kept her eyes on the beam you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah you have to be able to see <laughs> absolutely um, so what is so what are some of the things that you're looking out for like I heard in another interview actually when before we got a chance 
to sit down and talk. You're talking about the tape here and the oh yeah. So we don't know that. <laughs> what are the things that while you're running um, or you're flipping or you're mm-hmm. jumping and you're doing all these incredible things? What are you also looking for? There's a lot of different things. There's a lot of we call it spotting in gymnastics. So when you're upside down, you're looking for the floor. When you're t- when you're on the balance beam and you're upside down, or maybe you just you know you're in a position where you can't see the beam um the goal is to look for it as best as you can or to spot certain objects on the beam to make sure that you're landing in the right spot and so um spotting was just a lot easier when you can see properly and when you had the contacts in because also you don't realize that they're in your eyes so you're not focused on your eyes you're focused on what you're doing which makes gymnastics a lot easier (laughs) how do you like atlanta have you got a chance I, to see it? I have. I mean, I've been to Atlanta a few times, and I haven't seen too much of it. But what I do see, I, I love it. It's like a very toned down version of New York City. I feel it's great. I, I feel like it's grown over the past. It's maybe twenty years. It has grown. Yeah, it has yeah. grown. And if you love food, this is a great town to be in. Yeah, girl loves food. Nice. <laughs> I love food. Yeah, like, a little <laughs> bit too much. It shows. <laughs> no, you yeah. look beautiful. Oh, thanks, thanks, Lori. You guys, Lori said I look beautiful. So now that, you that, do. That my day. <laughs> so what's? I know that you did a book, right? You wrote a book. Do you see yourself writing another one? Um. I do. <laughs> I do. Oh, I, think I, I think I hit a chord right there. I, yeah. Can I? Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, towards the end of the year, I'm actually coming out with a children's book. Oh, you are? I am, yes. Why a children's book? <laughs> so, I mean, we had gotten like a, a lot of, well, I mean, for starters, gymnastics, especially the age group is definitely targeted to younger kids. You start off when you're so young. And so... My original, uh, my first book was called I Got This because being that one of the, that was one of the quotes that I had actually whispered to myself before I started competing. And so it was basically just my story of, of getting to the Olympics. But uh, the children's book is, is called, can I say what it's called? Like, it's, it's called She's Got This. Oh, and nice. it's, um, it's just, it's adorable. It just, it for so anybody, because this is our family who's listening, our AJC family, they, she keeps looking. Is that your publicist? Uh, my agent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, agent. Yeah, she, that's who she's asking. Can I Can I say this? And <laughs> so, thank you for sharing that. Oh, sure. Yeah, and and how is that different writing from the, obviously it has to be different writing from the first book, the second book. I mean, there are two different audiences. Which one oh, do you absolutely. like better? Um, I don't necessarily have a favorite audience. I think that... Um, just being able to reach out. The fact that I'm able to reach out to different audiences, I think, is so cool. Like, the first book was targeted towards um, tweens and teens and being able to see how they've reacted to the book and, and they've really liked it. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, little girls will be able to have this book and, and grow up with it, just as I've grown up with some of my favorite kids' books. So. Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm still looking to write a book. and. So, you should do it. Yeah, should it's do fun. It, yeah. It's cool. It, I mean, it's it's a little bit know, difficult, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, twenty twenty. I would love to. So, how do you how do you how do you plan to get there? <laughs> well, for starters, I mean, it's um, it's definitely going to be a gradual build to get back to where I was, especially back in 2016. We don't plan on rushing anything, um, but I would love to come back. I still love the sport and I have a big passion for it. 
Mm -hmm. so. so do you think that you have the same pressure to perform at the level that you did? I mean, you, you, yeah. you brought in some beautiful medals for the Thank country. You. So do you feel like you have to repeat that performance? or? Um, I mean, I definitely try to keep that idea that I have to repeat and be just as good. I, I think um, I try to just think more of like, you know, I'm coming back because I still love it and I want to branch out and see all the different skills that I may be able to do and see what else I can do. Um, because gymnastics, I feel like with age, it's a, a very limited sport compared to other sports. Um, you see swimmers and and runners at the Olympics who can be like uh, 30, 40, you know, and with gymnastics, it seems like 20, 24 is a really tough age to keep building. So I would love to just yeah, keep building and see how far I can go. I, I love testing limits. So, so can we have a girlfriend moment? I just We can. Uh, yes. Let's do it. Okay. Yes. So first of all, your hair. Is, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't know who does your If you do your hair or. Oh, I can do my hair. I have very, very, I have kinky uh, curls. So, it's so the, what I'm looking at, just to describe, is beautifully slicked back and oh, then this flowy you. ponytail. I mean, do you have any secrets to how you keep your hair so healthy and nice? And um, I mean, stay away from heat as much as you can, even though my hair is <laughs> dead straight right now and I have very curly curls. <laughs> so that was just very hypocritical advice. But I think um, the biggest thing is just to um, – I had advice – which was just not to go to bed with it uh, wet. Or if you are going to go to bed with it wet, don't tie it up in a bun. It's just not healthy for your hair. And um, to let it down as much as you can. And uh, I think usually my coroutine would be to, you know, I don't use shampoo that often because it dries out my curls and my hair hates it. Mm. So it's just making sure that I'm using that every so often. Yeah, I have a whole thing for my hair. <laughs> a whole thing. <laughs> so where are your parents right now? Uh, my parents work, so my mom is a social worker in Perth Amboy in uh, Willand School, and my dad is a court clerk in New York. Mm, very nice. That's so cool. So what do they think about you, basically? I mean, you travel the world. <laughs> you do what very, very grown people do. You um, obviously, you're, you're grown, but you just, you, I feel like you live the dream a lot of adults do. So oh, what do your parents you. think about you, basically, progressing this fast and, and, and um, succeeding this early? What do they say to you? Um, I or do think they still make you clean your room oh no absolutely I'm still taking out the trash and doing the dishes and, and that has not changed at all and I'm very happy that it hasn't because they've just grown with me as I've, I've grown as a person they've just grown with all the dreams that I've had and they really are the best I think um a lot of times if you're five years old and being like I want to go to the Olympics most parents would be like yeah okay like you're nuts but instead my parents were like she wants to go. Okay, what can we do to get her there? And that was their first reaction. And that was really cool to be a kid and watch them support everything I did. It showed me that, like, I didn't have to have any limits. So. Nice. Well, speaking go of no... Go mom and dad. Go yeah. mom and dad. Uh, so speaking of no limits, what, what would be the piece of advice that you would leave young people with? Um, don't let other people create limits and boundaries for your goals and dreams. And also... Um, Try, things are going to scare you, but try not to be too afraid of them and just go for it anyways. I think those are my two biggest things is just to, you know, at, at this point, you know, we're in 2018. There there aren't very many limits, you know. it's You're able to go out and branch out and try to be as creative as you want to be and, and shoot for the biggest goals as you want. Like, let them scare you. Let the goals scare you. That means it's good. If you can't do it in faith, do it in fear, right? That's right. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Lori Hernandez, Olympic gold medalist. Chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk to Access Atlanta at the hey. Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you. Yeah, keep those eyes pretty. Huh? Thank you so much. <laughs> Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. 
It used to be that crafts were just homey, folksy, sometimes beautiful, and occasionally utilitarian things. They can still be all of those things, but they can also be used to express ideas, to prompt discussion, and as a vehicle for protest and social activism. Making Change, the art and craft of activism, puts a spotlight on the changing world of crafting and runs June 3rd through September 9th at the Museum of Design Atlanta. There's even a word, craftivism, for the worldwide movement, which also happened to be the title of a book by the exhibition's curator, Betsy Greer. Around the globe, makers are taking traditional materials like yarn, glue guns, quilt patterns, sewing needles, exacto knives, and using their hands to protest social and political inequalities and injustices. In addition to exploring the movement, Moda's Making Change, the Art of Craft and Activism will invite all visitors to get involved by making something that makes a difference. Making Change, the Art and Craft of Activism will open with a reception on June 2nd and continues through September 9th. Check the museum's website at museumofdesign.org for more information. The Candler Park Music and Food Festival returns June 1st and 2nd with a headlining set from Government Mule, led by guitar powerhouse Warren Haynes, who also spent many years in the Allman Brothers Band. But don't miss Keller Williams' Pettygrass featuring the Hillbenders. The Virginia-born Williams is always a popular draw in Atlanta, but this time is a bit different. He'll be performing a set of Tom Petty songs in a bluegrass style with the Springfield, Missouri outfit, the Hillbenders. Pettygrass began as a benefit for the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in Williams' hometown of Fredericksburg, Virginia. After Petty's untimely death, Williams decided to bring it back as a tribute to the influential Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. In addition to the music, the Candler Park Music and Food Festival will also have Atlanta food trucks and restaurant vendors, arts and crafts vendors, and plenty of cold beer, wine, and spirits. General admission tickets are $30, and the VIP tickets are $80. That's the Candler Park Music and Food Festival happening 4 to 11 p.m. Friday, June 1st, and noon until 11 p.m. on Saturday, June 2nd. Get the complete lineup and tickets at CandlerParkMusicFestival.com. Scottish musician Midge Ure has had one of the most wide-ranging careers in rock music. His first taste of fame came in a bubbly boy band called Slick back in the mid-1970s, scoring a number one hit in the UK with Forever and Ever, a tune written by the same guys writing hits for the Bay City Rollers. Then he moved on to the Rich Kids, a band he formed with former Sex Pistols bassist Glenn Matlock in 1977. They released just one album, Ghosts of Princes and Towers, the next year, before Year was off again to his next project, the synthesizer-driven uber-new wave of Visage. About the same time, he joined Ultravox, replacing the band's departed frontman John Fox, who had left the band after three albums. Year took Ultravox to its biggest success, scoring a string of top 20 UK hits from 1981 to 1984, beginning with the memorably atmospheric Pulse of Vienna, the title track from Year's first album with the band. In 1984, he co-wrote the Band-Aid hit Do They Know It's Christmas with Bob Geldof, and the following year helped organize the Live Aid Benefit concert. He began a solo career about that time and has continued performing as a solo artist in the years since. Mid-Year will be at City Winery at 8 p.m. on June 1st. Those tickets are $22 to $30, and you can find them at citywinery.com Atlanta. Nature, with some help from the Chattahoochee Nature Center, puts on a show at the Flying Colors Butterfly Festival. 
The air will be filled with beautiful colors and the beating wings of butterflies as the Chattahoochee Nature Center offers butterfly garden tours and a native pollinator and host plant sale, arts and crafts and face painting, live entertainment, food trucks, and butterfly sidewalk art. The best part, though, are the live butterfly releases and the live butterfly encounters, where you can get up close and personal with the colorful creatures. The annual event is a fundraiser for the Chattahoochee Nature Center, which provides lifelong learning opportunities and contributes to the community's educational, scientific, and cultural life. Experience the beauty and wonder of nature at the Flying Colors Butterfly Festival, happening 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on June 2nd and noon to 5 p.m. on June 3rd. The tickets are $12 with a discount for members and kids age 2 and younger are free. Find all the details at chatnaturecenter.org. That's C-H-A-T-T naturecenter.org. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Ryan Horn, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. AJC Access Atlanta is sponsored by Northside Hospital Cancer Institute, built to beat cancer. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.